is caught. It's history. A Cardinals four-game sweep of the Cubs and Wrigley for the first time since 1921. St. Louis back in the postseason. First time since 2015. Wrigley Field massacre. And how sweet it is. And Vader launches one out to deep left. And the big left win, and he hit the painting. He hit the painting for Freyburn. You've got to be kidding me. Hi, welcome back to another episode of Conversations with Saruti. This is your host, Ben Saruti uh, of Birds on the Black, and I'm bringing back a, a guest that we've had before, uh, Corey Sanzone. Corey, welcome back. And pleasure to be here. Happy to come back. Good. I'm glad. I love having you on. Um, so we're going to get straight into the baseball because there's some stuff that I'm excited to talk about. Uh, Jack Flaherty has been named the opening day starter. I think that happened a while ago. We probably could have talked about that on the last pod. It happened so long ago. I feel like that's how they opened the spring. How do you I think feel it was about kind of a name? given, though? Yeah. How do you feel about like officially naming a starter basically the first time through the rotation in the spring? That kind I don't of think it's all that. Design. I don't think it's all that surprising. The only person that could have maybe have gone to is Wayno, but I, I just didn't see that happen. And I always thought it was going to be Jack. Yeah, and honestly, I feel like. The Cardinals love to open on the road, and 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 I don't think they mind naming their opening day starter early because, especially in this case, it it sets up who they really want to have the home opener. Start Correct. As. And I think, and I think that's going to be that's going to be way now. Yeah, because they play they play the first two series on the road, I believe. Right, so which would line up second time through the order, second starter as your home. Yeah, the home opener is going to be Wayno and Yachty. I mean, that's kind of what you always want it to be. Especially since uh, they've come out and said stands are fans are going to be in the stands. Yes, thank God. So, so you know, I I think that was their their thinking is, hey, if we've got fans, it's going to be Wayno and Yachty. All right, yep. early. I don't remember if this was yesterday or earlier today. I saw that. Tommy Edmond has been named the opening day starter at second and leadoff hitter. Yeah, I, I think that, that was, was announced today. Two weeks out. after his yeah. his uh, his game last night, I think Schilt made the uh, the official call. Yeah, yeah, and and I'm not going to argue that at all. The decision, um, the thinking behind it, anything. Um, a little surprised to see it two weeks out, um, especially. After our previous administration with Mike Matheny, when you'd go in presuming it's Colton Wong, and then we'd face a lefty opening day, and he would sit or something, you know. <laughs> um, so the it's interesting hearing these things so far in advance. Um, uh, the last one is that Goldie and Arenado Arenado will be hitting back to back in some sort, um, but I, I think it's interesting that. We still don't know where those two are going to hit or which order they're going to hit in. It looks like maybe second, third, which which could be could be interesting. Yeah, there was a whole article actually I just read earlier today, or maybe it was yeah, it was earlier today, that uh, Goldie doesn't mar- care where he hits, and Schilt likes the idea of having them both bat in the first inning no matter what. 
and, you know, maximizing their at bats and stuff. And I, I like it. I like it. Um, begs the who's your four hitter question again, but, um, it does. It does. And with Tyler O'Neill hitting like he is, that's the direction I would go there personally because ride the guy while he's hot. I mean, yeah, I at like least while he's going. Doing, yeah, kind of what they're doing with Edmund here. I mean, even if Carpenter had hit his weight this spring, uh, I feel like this would have been the right move, but Carpenter hasn't, you know, but but I feel like that's kind of what they're doing with Edmund. Edmund is hot right now. Yep. Um, so but, is Jose but can you stay He's hot for the last two here. weeks of spring training and carry that? That's the problem. Exactly. And that's, that's where I think the calling it this early comes into play a little as a little bit interesting to me. Um, besides those three, what other storylines have you been like really following this spring? Um, I, I mean, they always follow the outfield battle because it's just interesting to see. Um, I, I think it's, I, I really am always intrigued by um, prospects and I'm super intrigued by like Nolan Gorman. Um, it, he's been, he's been fun to watch, you know, and, and like in the limited time that he has played. And I feel like, and we kind of talked about this the other day that he's been hitting the ball hard a lot, just at people. Um, and, you know, he finally got that double on the other, you know, the other day against, I think it was against the Mets and, it seemed like a little bit of weight is lifted, but I, there was an article. It was uh, last night about, or yesterday during the day, about his transition to second base, and man, I really, I'm really intrigued to see that. Um, I think he has the athleticism to play there. I, I think it'll be. He definitely has the arm. I mean, he'll have a hell of an arm for a second baseman. Um, yeah, the, the turn shouldn't be a problem if he gets his footwork down. And a, and a good a good friend of mine and I, Luke, were uh, were talking about this and if he pans out at second you could have an infield that could have 25 plus bombs out of every position i mean it's not going to happen this, this year true. but it's potential down the road yes definitely um that 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 is a potential um little tougher at bush to do that but definitely would have the potential for sure it, there's potential um, i didn't say it was a guarantee but it's there's potential right right, right, right. <laughs> Um, so storyline I've been following that I feel like I'm a little concerned with is, is the, uh, just the pitching. I was on with Ron Nuttall yesterday on ruffled feathers and talking about how, you know, Michaelis has already been ruled out to start the season. Um, and KK is looking like, um, probably fifth starter at the best right now, because, we're not sure he's going to be ready before that, if at all, to start the season. I'm kind of under the impression that he won't begin the season on the 26th, man. I think they're going to take somebody else to St. Louis, um, have Kim be part of the taxi squad until his arm is ready. Uh, what are your thoughts on the uncertainty there? I think it's just interesting. Um, it's funny. We kind of went into this, in, you know, we started this spring training like, hey, the rotation, like, we're you know, we're dealing with um, – one spot really that's a that's an argument one spot that's a fight something that we have to figure out and then i mean as spring training does within a few weeks well no we have three spots we have to figure out um yeah and and i know the cardinals are used to coming into spring and going all right well we've got eight arms but somebody's somebody's gonna get hurt well i mean now you're down hudson from last year you're down michaelis you're down kim and you're kind of having to count on that fifth, that previously thought of fifth starter, probably Martinez, 
um, as almost a number three at the moment. Well, honestly, though, I think he's looked pretty. I mean, it's spring training and everything like that, but like he's looked pretty good. Um, I, I've I've always been really hot and cold on Carlos. I, I didn't like him when he was. I mean, I say didn't like him, but like I I wasn't sold on him when he was being counted on as the ace of the staff. Um, I felt like he kind of not that his stats weren't there. I mean, I understand you look back and he was still very very good. But he wasn't that guy that I was like, this is the game we need. He's the one I want to go to, you know, um, not, to me that like, I don't care what you talk about, like from a statistics standpoint. And Ace is the guy that it's like, this is the we have to win this game. Who are you giving the ball to? And I like Carlos more in that like three, four spot where it's like he, he he's a very, very good pitcher. He can be absolutely dominant at times. And when that pressure is not on him to be the guy. I think he can thrive. I think he's going to have a very good year. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this depth is getting tested very quickly. Um, Kim, I mean, yes. that's a back injury. Back injuries linger a lot, and who knows? Yeah, I that, that's got me a little worried. Um, we were I was going to switch over to the – to one of my projections that I think you'll like, but I think let's let's stick with the stick with more about the negatives of spring training, then move to some positives, and then I'll ask about that projection. So sounds good. Um, all right. So the Kim and Michaelis, we've got uh, Carpenter. Uh, I know you and I in the past have been huge Matt Carpenter honks and fans. And oh yeah, he one of our favorite players. Uh, we're looking at a year and a half now since he has consistently hit. And this spring has been no different than 2018 and the beginning of 2019 and the very end of 28, uh, sorry, very end of 2018, beginning of 2019 and all of 2020, basically. Um, I do feel like he has stung the ball a few times this spring and not gotten rewarded for it, whether that's Palm Beach's ballpark or whether that is too high of a launch angle and becoming lazy flyouts as opposed to driving the ball well. Uh, I feel like he's hit the ball hard, though. I mean, there's um, been a few that I remember it was a game or two ago that we were watching. I think it was in um, Port St. Lucie that it was – he hit one to center that I was like, oh, that's that's got a shot. Like, that's got a – like, off the bat, you know, I had that, like, special kind of, like, crack when you hit you really barrel one. Was and, that the right center that fell about 20 feet short, 15 feet short? Yeah. I was. I mean, like off the bat, I was like, oh, that's good. And he even started like his run, you know, like, I mean, we watched him hit enough home runs that, you know, he, he has the, the movement when he thinks he got it and the ball just didn't get there. And I was like, well, maybe that's just him getting old. And then like an inning later, um, Pete Alonzo absolutely demolished one to the same spot and it just died in the same spot. And I'm like, okay, the wind's blowing in or something's going on in that section because, like, that ball was – both of them, it was, like, off the bat, ball was gone, and it didn't even get close. Yeah, and it's not I like agree. Pete Alonso was lacking for any type of power. So, Absolutely not. That dude um, jacked. So I, I think I've seen – from what I've seen, his bat looks a little bit quicker. His eye is still there. Um, still wish he would be a little bit more aggressive, especially when he's ahead in the count. But, I mean – I've been saying for 10 years. Uh, yeah. It's just who it is, who he is. Um, but I think he's going to be a good compliment off the bench. I think he will. 
I, I mean, me being a fan, I hope that he puts it back together, finds a little, you know, lightning in a bottle. And if he can be even close to what he was two years ago, you want to talk about lengthening the lineup, but I'm not just, I'm not holding out hope. He has looked pretty good at second base. I mean, he doesn't have a lot of range, That's but you true. don't need a ton of range at second yeah. base. Yeah, I won't say he's been Paul DeYoung steady there, but I feel like he's been steady in that way that he's not going to make the flashy plays that Wong will. He won't get to some balls that Edmund will, but but he hasn't embarrassed anybody there. Yet. No, I mean, he, if the um, listen, if the ball is hit within his range, it's going to be an out. He doesn't he doesn't really fumble the ball. He doesn't really make mistakes, and his arm plays a lot better at second base than it did at third. So that's true. I mean, he. I think he would be fine in that position. I do think that I like. I mean, I don't know about them naming Edmund this quick, but I think Edmund is your better shot at second base for the most part. Um, right, right. But I. But again, it goes back to if the outfield flounders badly and Edmund is hitting, give him get put him in the outfield and put Carpenter at second and give it a shot. Gotcha. Um, all right, so two more negatives I want to talk about here real quick. And this one is kind of my laughable negative. Um, <laughs> Ar- Arenado and Goldie, when I wrote this the other day, the the, the plan for this, um, Arenado and Goldie had produced like, I want to say zero extra base hits or one extra base hit between them. When they've hit the crap out of the ball in the last three days. Yes, and then the last three days <laughs> happened. Um, and Arenado had, what, the three-hit day the other day, only yep. playing like five innings. Um, Goldie absolutely turned on that ball yesterday. Oh, that was demolished. Um, yeah, that ball that ball was screaming on the way out. Um, so I, I, I even wrote next to it, Arenado and Goldie, not worried. But I'm really not worried now. Like, their defense was there. You can tell that Arenado's shoulder looks fine defensively. Yeah. Um, I feel like his swing was free and easy all, all spring. I don't, well, I don't. Plus, the thing I like to see know, is early on in the spring, as he was trying, I mean, you were watching, you could actively watch him trying to let the ball. And we talked about, like, how well a player can see the ball into the, you know, into the plate. But you could watch him actively trying to let the ball travel deep to carry it out to right field. And that yes, to me is yes. just a guy trying to get a couple games, especially right. Like that's a guy just trying to get his timing down. And he has an interesting trigger with his foot movement. Um, that is definitely not something you teach, you know, um, with how much his feet move before the pitch. But, and I want to say that's toned down over the years, hasn't it? It has, but it's, I mean, he still has a lot of step to his trigger. Um, and that's all timing. So, I mean, that just takes some time to get going. I, the last thing I'm worried about is Goldie and Arenado. They're both going to yeah. play gold a gold glove defense. They're going to probably both be knocking on the door of all-stars, if not all-stars, both of them this year, and they're going to hit the crap out of the ball. I I, I have no worries right. on either one of them. <laughs> so so back to that back to that worry that I do have with the rotation. I, I did want to circle back to that before we move on to the positives we're seeing this spring. Um with Kim and Michaelis out, you've got obviously Jack Flaherty. Um, you've got obviously Adam Wainwright, who's From been there, awesome. About- I just want to pause real oh, quick and yeah. say Wayno still looks just as good as he did last year. It's true; he he really does. Um, I want to say he gave up 
Oh, I'm going to screw this up, but I think last time out he gave up five hits in five and a third or four hits in four and a third and basically like doubled the amount of hits he had allowed all spring. It mm-hmm. was kind of kind of crazy the run he's been on. You just kind of want to pause time for him until April 1st or April 2nd or 3rd or whenever. I know, just bottle him up and ship him to St. Louis or Cincinnati where yeah. we open, isn't it? So, um, Carlos Martinez, we've already talked about a little bit. We, we figure he's got to be in the rotation because he's proven he can go six and a half innings when he is himself. Right. Um, or at least six, you know, and, and he could be that Mike Leak that from a few years ago. Um, good, good Mike my dog. Like, my dog has been sleeping all morning, and as soon as we hit record, she woke up and started barking and stuff. Oh, isn't um, that the way it always is? <laughs> uh, love you, Sadie. All right. Um, the next two guys in the rotation, it, it looks like it's going to come down to Daniel Ponce de Leon, Alex Reyes, and John Gant. Um, I don't think it'll be Reyes. kind of talked – uh, they've already kind of talked about wanting to keep Reyes at 100 innings and, and on the year and, and put him in the pen. Um, so I'm I'm kind of presuming Ponce and Gant at this point, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, I don't know who else it would even be. There's no really hasn't been anybody else that's been in the conversation. I mean, you, I'm sure we'll see spot starts just like we did last year from Woodford and Oviedo. Um, I, I, that wouldn't surprise me in the least bit. Uh, at least until you get someone back like KK consistently. Um, but I, I don't, I don't know who else would even be in, in the conversation. I mean, I would love for it to be Reyes cause he has been lights out. I mean, he looks so good, but yes. I understand wanting to limit the innings. And honestly, this bullpen with him in it and Hicks back could be just devastating. All right, well, I wanted to switch to the positives anyway, and two of the six I have written down are Reyes and Hicks. I mean, Reyes, like you said, he just looks absolutely dominant right now. Um, I forget which plate appearance it was. I mean, it was a plate appearance earlier in the spring that he hit He hit this, I don't know, it had to be a 83-mile-per-hour slow curve for him on the outside corner and followed it up, just perfect strike, follows it up with like 101 up and in for a strike, can't finish the guy off on like this 92 mile per hour sweeping slider that the guy barely gets a piece of and then gets him with, I forget if it was a sinker or a four seamer, just 90, 98 plus just low and in. And Oh man. With like comeback that, that action too. Me. It was nasty. I remember the, I remember the, oh my gosh. That, 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 yeah, that, that's why I wasn't sure if it was that two seam or not. Um, I mean, when he's got that stuff going, that that's why I want to see him as a starter, you know, but, but I understand uh, he's he's functioned out of the pen. And really having him on the field is what matters, uh, especially after his past. Uh, Jordan Hicks started his spring off with that 22-pitch plate appearance. I, I've never been so angry at a spring training plate <laughs> appearance in my life. I was like, Jesus, just, just, just walk him or, like, hit him. Like, I don't care. Stop throwing so many pitches at this guy. <laughs> 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 okay, so I'm not going to lie. I sent you an article from The Athletic the other day about Zach Grinke. Um, and I know you said you couldn't get to it because Athletic is – you got to pay for it. And, right. And, but um, it was basically two different writers talked to any 
of Zach Grinke's catchers, former or current catchers that they could find to talk to. And, um, and just, it was just wild story after wild story. I have not laughed that hard in my life. So if you, if you have an, if you have a subscription to the athletic, you should go look up that story about Zach Grinke because it is just hilarious. But one of the things was, uh, one of the catchers told a story about, he came up to Zach, uh, I want to say it was the year after this happened because they weren't teammates at the time, but then they became teammates. And he came up to Granky and said, Hey man, I just got to ask you, did you hit me on purpose last spring? Um, And it was, it was a spring training game that apparently Granky was only supposed to throw so many pitches, you know, and so many batters. And the guy was two, two, three, two count. And Grinky had already thrown him like seven or eight pitches and Grinky beamed him on the last one. <laughs> and, um, and Grinky didn't confirm it, but he said something along the lines of, I had other stuff I needed to work on. And, and there was a lefty following you or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> so I, I appreciate that. I really do. And so, uh, yeah, maybe Jordan Hicks should have given in to him a little sooner. But you know what? If it was all about testing to see if his arm was ready or not, it it, it may have helped. Uh, he, he I, 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 I want to say, though, holy crap, he looks way more built than he was a year – or I guess not a year ago, two years ago. I mean, I understand part of that's growing into your body, but – yeah. I mean, he looked like a freaking NFL linebacker out there on the mound with how like <laughs> grown he is. Like, you know, he was skinny and throwing 105. And I'm like, holy crap, he's put on some muscle. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's been rehabbing for nearly two years. So what else you got to do, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean true. I, he looked he looked yeah, great. And, Stuff still and just. And he was quarantined for eight months as well. Right. And I mean, honestly, yeah. like you could tell that he wasn't until later in the at bat, he wasn't trying to dial anything up. You know, that was just go out there and free and easy, just throw, throw get a feel. Yep. He's going to be just as nasty as he was before. Yeah. Um, so sticking with the pitching theme, I feel like even if KK was good to go to start the year, we would be looking at that fifth spot for Ponce de Leon and Gant. I feel like Gant has really made his pitch for a starter role. Like I, I feel like he has maybe learned some lessons out of the pen and is ready to apply them to the rotation. And I feel like potentially, like the the Cardinals. Uh, I feel like the Cardinals and, and Kyle uh, Kyle Reese and I have talked about this. How when young guys come up. Yachty and the other catchers don't seem to call their entire repertoire. They focus uh-huh. in on two pitches mostly out of the bullpen. And I feel like Gant, whether it's him advocating for himself or whether it's the catchers recognizing that he has multiple pitches that he needs to have to be as effective as he is, with none of his pitches being Jordan Hicks's fastball or Alex Reyes's offerings, you know, that – Gant has done a good job of being, maybe it's the role he's in, being a multi-inning role, but he's done a good job of cultivating multiple pitches. He's got four good ones, I feel like. And him being allowed to do that has maybe allowed him to get into 
that starter mindset more easily. I don't, I don't know what the case is. I feel like maybe he's just in that starter's mindset all the time. He's come to apparently come to spring every year looking to start. So, um, but, but having those multiple pitches, I think maybe he is a lot better this time around as a starter. And I know Viva Alberto's somebody over there looked at Gant as a starter and what it could mean. Um, I've kind of been meaning to, but they did the job for me. So I decided <laughs> not to, to, to pursue that. But, uh, Gant's one of those guys that, that I, I feel like this year could be good for him. He could pick that fourth or fifth starter spot up and, and maybe not relinquish it for a while. My, my thought with, with both Gant and Ponce is I feel like they both run in, I mean, now granted, who knows with Gant out of the, out of a rotation, this situation, but what I've seen from both of them is I feel like sometimes both of them do not attack the strike zone enough. Um, I mean, we've, and we've seen it in the past with both of them that like, there's times when it's just like, man, this is a long inning. Cause he's three, two on every batter. Um, and, and Gann has gotten better out of the bullpen, but even Ponce last year and the year before, it was just like, there was times I'm like, okay, man, he just fired. He's Oh two. And then we're f- four pitches later and he hasn't, either got in contact or put the guy away. And it, it wasn't just like it was non-competitive pitches, you know? Um, and I feel like hopefully well, one or both of them has grown into the idea. And I mean, Flaherty fell subject into that at times where you, you try to nibble um, and not let your stuff play. And I'm hoping that Gant is, he does have some pretty good stuff that figured out, Hey man, I can throw it in the zone and they still can't hit it. Yeah. I feel like, and, and I, I I don't mean to presume I can do better than a Hall of Fame catcher by any means, but I feel like Yachty encourages that at times. I feel like the Cardinals throw a lot more waste pitches than any other team I watch. Um, and, I mean, that kind of says a lot because our pitching has been so good and, for the most part, uh, under control most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I watch a lot of Royals games. And... I mean, I'm talking even not the 14, 15 teams where they they had good teams. I've watched a lot of Royals over the last decade and a half, and they don't have as many waste pitches as the Cardinals do. And we've got a lot better pitchers, so they know where they're throwing it usually. Um, And the only common denominator there is the catcher who is, you know, tapping the dirt uh, occasionally. Or I I don't know. I'm not sure the why on that. I feel like you can get the same result with the chase pitch where there's like, you know, a 20% chance the guy chases it rather than this one that bounces four but feet away. I'm not away entirely sure it's every pitcher either. Cause I don't feel like I see Wayno throws many, just like giveaway pitches. Yeah, that could be. Although he might be the only guy that doesn't, you know, that shakes Yachty off or that's, that's, that's allowed true. To. I don't that's know. true. And I've, I mean, I granted one year, but I don't feel, I feel like KK was another one that was very much in the zone the whole time last year. Um, that's true. Michaelis was always like that before injury. Uh, he just pretty much just filled the zone at all times. Um, and I, I feel like, but other than those three, there's a lot of waste pitches. Hudson wasted like a million freaking pitches. Yeah. And (laughs) something those three have in common is they're all over 30. Um, they've all been in the league, like a league a while. That's Um, true. So I don't know if it's them earning their stripes with Yachty or what. Um, and maybe I'm just 
dumb and and, and seeing something that's not there. Um, <laughs> so speaking of Molina, uh, to to maybe puff up the Hall of Famer a little bit more though, he looks as quick as ever with his pop time to me. Like I feel like. This is the most spry behind the plate he has looked in three or four years. In this my is mind. the most spry in a game I've seen him in three or four years. Yes. He, he, he's moving younger than he has in the last two years. Um, I, I, that's maybe a bad way to put it, but like just his overall movement behind the plate, even his, even his movement at the plate, he looks a little bit more like, and I'm talking in a spring training game, that he has a little bit more pep to it you know um i mean i read an, i read a thing i think it might have been on mlb.com they were talking about like some of the other players that were talking about yadi and they were saying you know he's coming out playing like he's got a spot to earn we, and we all know he doesn't but like I, I i've been up and down on yadi a lot recently because of just comments and you know some of the things about like a contract and being getting you know sometimes he just rubs me the wrong way but I'll never deny the fact that the dude plays hard. Um, he's amazing. He's a Hall of Famer. We should all be so lucky to have another Yachty roll through on t- another time in our lifetime, hopefully. Um, but he, this this spring training, I mean, he has looked he's looked good. I mean, he's he's, yeah, he's the power is gone in his bat. He, he it's gone. He's a I don't know. Hitter. Did you see that home run he hit? He did smash that home run. That ball was crushed. But I, I just feel like I mean, on a day to day basis, like he's he, he's not going to get back to what he was five years ago, where he could he could hit fifteen plus. I, yeah, he, I I don't think he will either. But Mike, I think it was Mike Petriello tweeted out like moments after the Yachty home, where he looked at the Statcast ad and he said that's his hardest hit ball in like twenty twenty four months or or. 28 months or something like he crushed that one. That ball was demolished. Um, that ball was absolutely. De- I mean, the second it left the bat, it was gone, but it, it but the, I mean, most of the time it's, it's, it's singles. Yeah, he, yeah. I, I, I was still saying, we've said it before. He's the guy almost like you were saying when you have like, this is the game we got to have. And you have your bulldog pitcher, or your ace to come in. He's the guy that if we need, there's a guy on third and two outs. He's the one I want up there. Yeah, he's gonna put yeah, together. If it's the not, most if it's not Arenado or Goldie, yeah. If it's not, I mean, Arenado honestly, like, situation. I mean, yeah, I mean, Arenado and Goldie, sure, but like, honestly, in a way, I, I mean, how many years have we watched Yachty come through with the big at bat? I mean, it's generally not speaking a, a bomb. I mean, yes, once in a while it is. I mean, we can go back to the NLCS and uh, many, many years ago, but. Um, most of the time it's that flare over the second baseman, but he, he comes through, he finds a way to get the bat on the ball and he's looked phenomenal behind the plate. He is just hosing people. Holy crap. That, that whole exchange with him telling, I can't remember the name of the, of the guy. To run. Yeah. Him just like telling him to run and then out by like four feet. I was like, that's awesome. I love that. Yes. <laughs> that exchange was fantastic. Um, if you haven't listened to the 100th episode of Chirps yet, uh, Alex, I think, runs that that play down and, and just Yachty. That all, all, just listen to that whole section of that one. That, that Alex did an awesome job with that. I don't want to repeat everything he said because I couldn't do it as well. Um, let's move on to 
I want to kind of give kudos to two people at once here, um, Tommy Edmond and Mike Schilt. Uh, Mike Schilt, good job on you. You got Tommy Edmond into the game at shortstop late hey, in the finally. game. On, uh, I believe that was Monday. Yes, it was Monday. And Edmond made a great play up the middle to end the game, a uh, play where he had to range almost all the way to the bag, um, kind of was facing right field as he caught the ball, so he did a little pirouette spin move and then gunned the guy out at first. Um, a great job there uh, on both he and the manager. Manager for putting him in that spot finally. That's something that I've wanted to see for multiple years now. Um, I feel like he is a guy that could spell Paul DeYoung, 15, 20 times a year when we need them to. Um, and not being able to play there very often shows that he still knows his way around from that area of the field. So good on him. Um, anything you wanted to add about that one? No, I, I agree. And I've been saying for, you know, two years or over a year that I would have liked to see him at short more. And it's another way to get, you know, like we said, we want to try and see, you know, if Carpenter can get a little bit into it, it's another way to get him into the game. You know, if the outfield is clicking and doing okay, you know, O'Neal or um, DeYoung needs a break, you can get Edmund at shortstop and put, and especially if you've got a tough righty, you know, and, and somebody that DeYoung might struggle against, you, you can get him out, give him a break, give him a breather and have, you know, two more left, another, an additional lefty in the, in the lineup. Um, I, I really like Edmund. I feel like he's that guy that he he's kind of, I want to say almost like a fulcrum for us this uh, offensively this season. I feel like if he puts together a season similar to even a little bit less than, but similar to his rookie year, this offense could really, really be something. If Especially he struggles to lead off. What's that? Especially if they're batting him lead off. Yeah, especially if batting him lead off. But if he can really put it together, and we kind of talked about a little bit with your projection series, um, if he can be the good, holy crap. But even if yeah. he's just around your middle proje- projection, uh, he, he's going to be a catalyst for this team. And I honestly, I think, I mean, don't get me wrong, I loved Colton Wong defensively. He's just absolutely wonderful to watch. But people slouch on Edmund, and he, that dude can play some defense. So speaking of Colton Wong, I saw that he hit a bomb into the right field bleachers off uh, Kershaw bullpen off Kershaw. Yeah. So tough lefty. So good for him. I think Milwaukee plays a lot better to fly ball on fly balls for lefties. Um, so I hope Colton has a good year. I, I He's one of those that I hope it doesn't go back down that path of him trying to find power because he knows it's a shorter porch. I hope he keeps his approach and just pulls those ones that he can. Um, and he has yeah, he's at his best time. when he's using the whole field. When he gets pull happy and power happy, it's it's not that's not Colton at his best. But I, I hope right. he's he does absolutely outstanding in Milwaukee, except for when he plays the Cardinals. Except for when they play us, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so for those of you who were um, not up on the projections that I've put out there. Um, I have put out Tommy Edmonds. Um, I have him around a 270 to 275 batting average, right around a 330 on base and a 415 slugging for 745-ish OPS. Um, and so that's what Corey was referring to on, uh, if he falls in that range with that 750-ish OPS, we, we should be good to go. 
Um, okay. So the last positive I want to bring up is let's, let's just talk about some of the guys that are trying to prove their worth. Um, Tyler O'Neill, obviously like leading the world in hitting this spring. Um, showing that he wants to not only be the left fielder, not only be your gold glover in the outfield, but he wants to be the guy he thinks he is and the Cardinals thought he was, that middle-of-the-order bomber. Um, granted, only two homers, but when you're hitting 468 or whatever it is. Um, Hit a lot of doubles, have, too. Yeah, and you still have that OPS north of 1,300. I think people will excuse you for only having a couple homers. Um <laughs> Other guys that have been really knocking it out of the park are, I mean, there's only two more guys that are hitting better than Edmund this spring when you're looking OPS. Uh, John Nagowski and Jose Rondon. Those are two guys who do not have a spot on the 26-man as of yet. Uh, They are trying to earn it. They are kind of not there because of different reasons. Nagowski is a very good defender, but He plays first base, and the Cardinals kind of have a good defending first baseman that can also hit already. Yeah, and who also plays 160 games a year. (laughs) Right. And then Jose Rondon has the opposite problem in that he plays the positions where the Cardinals could use it the most, which is why he's even here as an option, in that he plays that second, short, third, but kind of looks like Jairo Munoz doing it. Um, uh-huh. and so, uh, talk a little bit about their springs, if you will, or, or, or their skill sets as you see them. Um, I, I think, I honestly think I'd be surprised if we, as much as I like Nagowski, I don't know how he makes the roster, um, simply because he only plays first base and we have Matt Carpenter. It wasn't for Matt Carpenter. I think he, I think he makes a roster, but Carpenter's going to give when Goldie needs his three days off a year, it's going to be Matt Carpenter at first base. Um, I mean, barring injury, but I don't even want to curse the world with that. Uh, I am knocking on wood as we speak. Same. I did the exact same. I was like, what's the closest wood that I could touch? Uh, Um, I, I, I don't think that as much as I like him, and I think he has a really good approach at the plate. I think he hits the ball very well to all fields. I like Nagowski a lot. Um, Rendon, I think, could easily end up being that um, extra infielder. I, I was I assumed it was going to be Edmundo Sosa, um, but it, Rendon's played and hit his way into that spot. Um, yeah, and Sosa's honestly, kind of been on the opposite end of the spectrum this spring. He's really showing that his defense is where it needs to be, but but that bat is um, looking at the numbers here. It's his OPS is under half of Rondon's at the right. moment. But I mean, that's the thing though is when you're talking about a bench player, do do you need them to be a defensive wizard? No, you you want your bench guy to be somebody that can hit, um, for the most part. You know, unless you're in a spot where the guys that are are currently your starters are all hitters and no defense, and you need a late inning defensive replacement, that's not really the case in, with our team. De Young's great is short. Arenado is Arenado, and Edmund is very. I think will be very, very good at second base. So you don't need a late defensive glove. You need a guy off the bench that can hit. 
And I think that's where Rondon is kind of seizing his opportunity. I think he ends up making the roster personally. All right. So let's go. That That's where I wanted to go next anyway, was where do we think the 26 man roster is going to end up two weeks from now? And I think you kind of did a good rundown there. And I, I would, I would say that there's a potential for Nagowski to make it as well. And here's why I'm thinking that Yadier Molina and Andrew Kisner are one and two, two of your, 13 hitters. Goldie, Arenado, Carp, DeYoung, and Edmund are numbers three through seven. O'Neill, Bader, Thomas, and Carlson, I think, have wrapped up that they are going to be on the roster as well. That gives you 11 out of 13. And I think really it comes down to four more guys. And right now, your bench guys are a Kisner who's a catcher, Thomas, probably on the bench as the outfielder, and then Carpenter, who he is not your second base shortstop third base backup, but he is your probably first base, second base, third base backup. And Edmund is your shortstop backup with Carpenter sliding in at second. Correct. Um, so honestly, as it is with 11 guys, you've got all eight spots covered backup and, and not because Thomas can play all three positions in the outfield as well. I think it's going to come down to four guys for two spots. I think you've got Edmundo Sosa, is your defensive wizard who can play all three of the infield spots that Carpenter can play. He does it from the right side, which Carpenter doesn't. Jose Rondon is your hitting version of that same thing. John Nagowski is just your professional hitter off the bench. And the guy that we haven't mentioned yet is another outfielder. It is unsure as of right now whether Justin Williams has another minor league option or not. What we do know is Edmundo Sosa does not have a minor league option. So I think he is on the roster. Jose Rondon does not have a minor league option unless the Cardinals signed him to a minor league deal, which I I believe they did. They did. And so I could see a situation where if Williams gets the option, Nagowski is your bench bat and Sosa is your defensive sub. I could see that, but I, I if if Williams doesn't get the option, I don't I don't know if they would be willing to let. But at the same time, it's almost like a, it's almost a dead roster spot to have Thomas and Williams on the bench. I mean, I understand he's a lefty with some power, but every every time I've ever watched him hit, he looks like a rhythm hitter to me, a guy that needs to he needs to hit to hit. Um, yeah. and that's where Nagowski, I think does play very well into what you were saying that it's like he could go up there after not hitting for two and a half weeks and go up and just put up a hell of an AB that you're like, damn, like he hasn't, he hasn't touched a bat in a month and he just went up and went two for three today, you know? And like, it, that's the kind of hitter Nagowski seems to be, but Williams to me, because he has a little bit more length in a swing, um, his approach is very, very different. I, he's the guy that, to me, needs to play to hit, and you're not going to see a lot of production out of him if he's not playing. And honestly, unless Bader and O'Neill and Carlson fall off a cliff, and then Thomas does as well, more likely than not, they're going to put Edmund back out there before any of that happens. Like you're, you're way off from Justin Williams doing anything yeah. other than just taking up a spot. I agree. So... So here's the options, I think, for the Cardinals. If if Williams doesn't get his option, I think we're down to Sosa and Williams on the bench, and I think it's a no contest. Um, 
unless they can make a trade with an outfielder that they don't they, they seem hesitant to make it this time. Yeah, um, they don't want to get bit again. Yep. Yep. Um if he does, who do you think gets that spot? Nagowski or Rondon? I think if it's if Sosa, Williams then I think it'll be option. Nagowski. I mean, if you're assuming you Sosa think- stays, I think it'll be Nagowski because Nagowski's the I would say the more consistent bat off the bench than when when Rendon would be. Do you think there's any way they give up on Sosa though, with him having zero options? I'm not sure. I mean, the guy's very, very good in the field, but that bat's just—I don't know. I don't know. I'm not even sure if a team would be I, jumping to snatch him right away. I think somebody would have to grab him. I—I I mean, I guess I mean it doesn't hurt to grab him and then put him in the minors you know like i don't I, well i, I mean just, yeah they'd have to do they'd have to put him through waivers too but right but i i just don't i don't know i, I he's so good defensively but i mean you got to hit to stay in this league it's, it's not 1982 anymore it's yeah yeah i don't know the thing is that i i feel like the cardinals don't have anything behind him no they don't Man. And so uh, they really don't. I, 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 I don't mean, know. They're unless, in a tough spot, but I do. I, I would be very surprised if Sosa doesn't make it. And I think you're right. Yeah. The, the Williams option will decide whether it's Williams or Nagowski. All right. So I want to talk about two more things. Uh, the pitching staff, the 13, we think they're going to come north with. Um, you want to go first or second on this one? Oh, I'll follow you. Okay. So. I think we all agree it's Jack, Wayno, Seamart, Ponce, uh, Gant. Kim, if he's healthy, um, that would be six. Five if Kim is on the DL to start the year. Um, I think Gallegos, Miller, Hicks, and Webb are likely locks at this point. Reyes. Um Reyes, I missed Reyes the first time around. Sorry, Reyes are likely locks at this point. That is that's eleven down to two. Yeah, so that's down to two. Um, I think it's Helsley. I think Helsley's got his spot wrapped up um, because I don't think they. I, I think they've got him pigeonholed as a reliever now. I, I don't think he's going back to starting, and that leaves one. And and that one, I think at this point, I go Cody Whitley. If it's me, um, I think I want Hennessy Cabrera lengthened out in the rotation at Memphis. I think I want Thompson and Libertor and Rondon and Oviedo lengthened out in Memphis. Uh, Woodford can be lengthened out a bit in Memphis as well. I mean, that would give them six man rotation to start the year. Um, Tommy Parsons has made his presence known this spring, but he's not on the 40 man. Um, Cody Whitley is. He pitched well last year. He pitched very well in 2019 in the minors. Uh, I think it's time to let him inherit that John Brubia slash Giovanni Gallegos role of starting the starting the year on the roster and maybe bouncing up and down a bit. Mm, yeah, uh, depending on that. how the rest of it looks. Um, I I think you're pretty much spot on there. The only I mean the caveat with that is if you end up with, um. Kim on the DL, uh, then you just add another reliever. I, I honestly, 
I, Cabrera's pretty nasty as a reliever, though. And that's who I have as my 14th guy. If and, Kim can't and especially it, because I, he can give you multiple innings, and you're going to need reliever, relievers that can give multiple innings this year. Yeah, even if he doesn't, you've got Helsley, you've got either Gant or Ponce or Reyes, whoever doesn't make the rotation. Um, they can give you multiple innings. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, Cabrera would lengthen that a bit. Um, and he would be my guy for that very reason if Kim goes down. Yeah, I could see that. And, I think I think you might I be right when, that he might be the guy that they he, he gets bounced. Him and Ann Whitley both kind of do like the up and down roll. Um yeah, some this the year. I fifty five Memphis shuttle. Right. But I think I, I wouldn't be surprised if especially if Kim is down that Cabrera's in there. Because it seems to me that whatever they're doing, they definitely want guys that can go two innings and Cabrera can definitely go two innings. Um, so I wouldn't be, and he's man, that kid is nasty. If he know if he can f- truly figure out where the ball is going when it leaves his hand, watch out. Like, so his, his stuff is filthy. Yes, exactly. And so, so I'm looking at, the other day I put out a tweet saying, how many outs do Cardinals pitchers get per 100 pitches? Looking at their starters, figuring that players usually go about 100 pitches. Um, in his career, Jack Flaherty has averaged right at six innings per 100 pitches. Three three innings for a bullpen is, is nothing in today's game. Yep. Um, Wainwright, for his career, I did not look at the last few years for Wainwright. I just did career. He averages like six and a half innings. Um, John Gant as a starter, 5.9 innings. Carlos Martinez as, as a starter, 6.3 innings. Uh, Kwon Young Kim as a starter last year, 6.4 innings. Ponce de Leon is probably going to have to start this year as a starter. And in his career, he's averaged only 5.2 innings per start. That's 15, that comes back to the just whole over, throwing strikes thing I was talking about. Yeah, just, just over 15 and a half outs per start. Um, so that's basically... Five innings, one game, five and a third the next. Five innings, one game, five and a third the next. That is a bit more outs to cover for the bullpen. And and I think especially to start this year that having that Alex Reyes or Henesis Cabrera ready to go every fifth day um, for multiple innings, whether that means two days later they get an inning or three days later they get an inning, but they're still ready to throw two on days where Ponce goes is a very – key component to focus in on for early in the year. Um, Mike Schilt has been hesitant to do anything involving the word piggyback, um, but that could be a a piggyback of um, unmentioned uh, reporting type of yes. thing. You know? I mean, you, and you kind of have both of them as an option, and you have Helsley in that regard too that – you kind of have all three of them that are can be one of them needs to be available that day for multiple innings. Yep. Or two of them. And you have a three pitcher outing where it's five for Ponce, two for Cabrera, two for Helsley, two for Reyes, right. whoever it is. And, and build those Cabrera and Reyes innings up as you want them to be built. Yep. But there's uh, the nice part is, is uh, like I said, the, a lot of these guys have multiple inning ability. So, you can cover a little bit more and it lets you stretch them out and build them up a little bit more from an inning standpoint. Plus, like you said, actually the rest of the rotation seems to have a 
pretty solid amount of length. You know, they get into the sixth inning or into the seventh inning a good amount of the time. You know, they start this, you know, they're, they're finishing completing six innings plus. Um, it takes a lot of pressure off of, you know, the other side of it. Where So, I mean, yeah. you're assuming like, okay, um, Wayno gives you six and two thirds. And then you have, oh, you have a tough lefty up. You get Webb to come in and take care of him for this one one batter because then the inning ends. You got to cover two more innings. Well, you have got you have a couple run lead. You have Gallegos and Hicks ready to go, or you have Reyes for an inning and Hicks ready to go, or whoever. I mean, pick your poison. But you have a couple of guys that are can be your one inning guys in those situations. Well, then the next guy to pitch is. Gant and well, he is a tough, good day, but tough day. Well, he only made it through five and a third. Well, then you need, you know, two innings out of one of those guys that can get you the bridge to the guys to end the game. Um, and we have a lot of those bridge guys, but they're good. Like, it's not like you're, I mean, I hate to use the word Matt Bowman, but the Matt, you don't have Matt Bowman bridge guys out there. These guys are nasty. <laughs> yes. Um, that word that they, the Cardinals often use for their offense and their starting pitching, I feel like is going to apply to their pen this year, that flexibility or that versatile uh, uh, options out there. Um, I feel like those words are going to definitely apply to this year's pen, but not only versatile or flexible in a way where we're not sure what's going to happen, but in a way where we don't really care which way it falls because we've got nasty followed by nasty. Yeah, um, I don't. I mean, there, there's not really like a this guy needs to be our closer. Any of them can close. I mean, I understand. Like, and I mean, I'm one of the advocates that not everybody can close. There's something about those last three outs that are just hard to get. But you don't have to label a closer. I mean, you're in a spot where. Hey, okay, this team is coming up. They have three lefty batters. Well, Miller's ready. He can be your closer for the day. You know, that's a better yeah. match. And he has history and matchup against those guys that none of them done anything against him. He's your guy for right. this game. The next the next yeah, game, I, well, you just you just use Hicks. Well, you can't use him, but you have Gallegos or you have Reyes or you have, you know, even Helsley to some extent. Like, there's guys that can come in and shut the door. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I think, yeah, that's the incredible thing. You've got a guy like Ryan Helsley who his stuff is out of this world. And honestly, he probably shouldn't even be in the conversation right now. But he can be because he's good enough that 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 he potentially could be that closer. Um, all right, let's switch gears and talk about one player who you like in particular. Um, you feel like my projections are a little down on even though <laughs> – even though I think you'd be happy with the good uh, for this guy. Um, you think the good is probably a little low on, and that's Dylan Carlson. Um, as you guys know, Dylan Carlson's a guy who has been the Cardinals' top prospect for a couple of years. So listeners, that's nothing new to you. Um, he kind of broke out in a big way when in the minors in 2019, the last full season of the minors have had, he hit over 290. He had a 372 on base and well over 500 slugging, leading him to a 914 OPS. He had 562 plate appearances that year with 28 doubles, 8 triples, 26 homers. Um, he also stole 20 bases that year, 
and he struck out less than 120 times. Last year, in 119 plate appearances at the major league level in the regular season, so I did not include the series with San Diego here, um, he had a 616 OPS. He was rather pedestrian, um, to say the least. Um, actually, he was worse than, by results, than anybody else in the outfield last year, and the outfield was putrid. Um, my projection system has him pegged this year for in 600 plate appearances, 200, uh, 232 average, 313 on base, 408 slugging, and 721 OPS. Um, the good is a bit better than that. It's a 255, 340, 449, 789 slash line. So we're looking at 789 versus 721. Um, at the end of my projections, sometimes if I think my projections are a bit off or or I think they'll fall somewhere in particular, I kind of go with what I think. And so at the bottom of his, here's what I said I believe he will do. I believe that in 600 plate appearances this year, if he's given that, that He's going to be somewhere around 30 doubles, around five triples, and around 20 homers. He'll hit around 240, get on base around 330, which is league average right about now. 240 is uh, getting close to league average hitting. And then a 430 slugging for about a 760 OPS. Um, And I think that he will probably, if he gets that, also hit double digits and steals. Um, and hopefully keep that caught stealing at like five or below, but he hasn't proven that to be the case in the minors necessarily that he can go like 15 and four or five or anything. Um, so hopefully he can figure that out at the major league level as well. Not getting caught too often to me, that's a quite successful rookie season. Um, if he were to do that, I would be completely on board with him getting 600 plate appearances unless everybody else in the outfield is just absolutely crushing the ball as well. Um, what is your so Corey? I know you're higher on him than than my projections are. What do you think is most likely outcome for him this year? Um, I I I could see him right around the good or above. Um, but I I mean I could also see it just depends um on what you get, and you can end up right around what you were saying that you think he'll be at. Um, I do think he has the bat to ball skills to hit better than 240. Um he was pitched very hard especially when he was first brought up last year and then and you could see that it was I mean he, he, I mean he, we, we we I feel like we've been talking about him so long that he's like 27 but he's he's 20 years old, you know. He's 22, yeah. He'll be 22 this year. Yeah, he was 20 last year and then turned 21, he's turning 22 this year. So he's a kid. And you could see the game kind of running away from him a little bit and that first like stint. And I think a little bit of that was also the fact that, I mean, we talked about it a lot. There was times that he would smoke it right at someone. And then the next at bat, he'd be eaten alive with change-ups or curveballs and not see a fastball. And then the next at bat, he would smoke another one right at someone. And it was just like, you could almost watch his body language. Like, what, what do I got to do? You know, I can't buy a hit. Um, and it almost it reminds me of like, I don't know if you've ever seen it, Bull Durham. When like the, I don't know, one of the infielders is like, man, I'm in a big donut hole for 18. I have, I don't, can't remember the last time I had a hit. And you could almost watch like, 
Carlson in his head, like, I, what, what do I got to do? You know? And yeah, I think that was kind of where they were like, go down, get a breath, come back. And when he came back, he kept hitting the ball on the screws again, and they started to find spots. Um, I honest to God think that if it was a full season last year, it would he would have kept that train running that he had at the end of last year. Um, like if yeah, that, all of this would have started be. early on. Um, he, he, he finds a way to find the barrel on both sides of the plate, which helps him a lot. Um, obviously, Bush is an, a, a nightmare for hitters, but he has the speed and he does a really good job of hitting into the corners on both sides that he can end up with quite a few doubles, a few triples because of his speed. He's a smart baseball player. I, I really do think that I, I'm hesitant to go with like saying he's a, he's going to be a star this year. I think he's going to be a star eventually, but I think he is going to solidify and lock right field down. And defensively, he's outstanding out there. So you're not going wrong. All right, so to all your listeners, uh, this is how we'll end this. We think he'll be better than this. I want I want to mention real quick, um, Randall Gritchick in his age twenty two season at the major league level. You know what he did? Two forty five, two seventy eight, four hundred, six seventy eight. Colby Rasmus as a twenty two year old in the majors, two fifty one, three oh seven, four oh seven, seven fourteen. Okay, that if we get what my projection system thinks. He's still better than that. Oh, I yeah. think he's going to be better than I think he's going to be better than what my projection system says. Corey thinks he's going to be better than that. To have a successful rookie season, you don't need to be Juan Soto. You don't need to be Ronald Acuna Jr. That's the problem is we hold that we hold that as the and, gold standard now. And like so, we look at these kids so, come up and just destroy the league, and you're like, why can't our kids do that? <laughs> right. Right, and it, it doesn't need to happen that way. Let this kid evolve. Don't get down on him, Cardinals fans, even if he, quote-unquote, only has a 760 or 790 or 800 OPS this year. Well, um, I, I also like as a player. we ended up with an Arenado that he doesn't have – like, you're not putting pressure on him again. Like, he, I, I do think – I don't like that they've been hitting him seventh every game. I really wish he would hit higher in the lineup. I think he's more dynamic and should be higher in the lineup. Um, but I, I do appreciate the fact that he doesn't have to come in and be the guy at 22. Yeah. All right. Well, on that note of positivity, let's go ahead and end this uh, episode. I know you've had a day and you probably, uh, <laughs> need, need to, need to get some rest here. So, I need a nap uh, and then a for, cup of coffee. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Uh, thank you for being giving of your time and energy here on the podcast uh, today. Um, we are glad to have had you. Uh, well, Always we, love I the conversation. Glad to have had you again. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> All right. Um, for Corey, for myself, for everybody at Birds on the Black, uh, check out the 100th episode of Chirps from last week. Uh, and then uh, – have a great rest of your week. I'm going to try to bring up one more of these uh, prior to my spring break ending by Monday. Um, so hopefully you will have a couple of these to listen to this weekend. Have a great week and I will talk to you guys soon.